Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Nolan Podcast. I'm digital multimedia editor Noah Brown. We've got a good show for you today. We're joined by James Webb, author of the recently published book Redneck Resilience, A Country Boy's Journey to Prosperity, to talk about how to find success as a multi-unit franchisee. After working in the medical industry for more than 40 years, Webb became a franchisee for fitness chain Orange Theory in North Texas, soon owning and overseeing 33 franchises. I started the conversation with James by asking what the transition was like going from a field where he was essentially his own boss to becoming someone who had to report to a franchisor. Yeah, that that was an interesting transition for me because I had to go from quote unquote, not having a boss to sort of now having a boss. And you have that initial frustration, so to speak. Well, I want to, I want to do blue orange theory fitness, not red orange theory fitness. And I was told, no, you can't do that. And no, you can't put this particular product in the, the gyms and you can't sell these extra services in the gym. You know, we had to follow the franchisor's directions. Once we sort of figured that out, they were a great franchisor to work with. Uh, and we, we had no issues going forward. But there was that transition from being my own boss to, quote, unquote, having a boss. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, our readership consists primarily of independent or franchisee shop owners of Quick Oil and uh, Quick Lube shops. So uh, it seems like the clientele and the services offered uh, couldn't be more different than, than fitness, but at least the, the franchise structure seems to be fairly similar. So in that sense, what's kind of the, the uh, what are some of the keys to uh, quick profitability uh, when running a franchise? Yeah. So again, we were marketing driven. I mean, we had to bring a product to market that nobody knew about. And so we were completely media focused, advertising focused. uh, And, and, you know, we were very fortunate to kind of get with a hot brand. So once it sort of became a recognized brand, we couldn't build them fast enough. I mean, it was nuts. We could not build them fast enough. Uh, But the initial focus was on branding, bring the product to market, your group is more of a consumer-based product. And so I would assume the marketing is similar. Uh, we're, we're, we're making you aware of it. If most people know the, the, the oil industry, the, the, the lube business, I should say. And so we were just having uh, that initial approach of bringing something brand new to market. Uh, but again, it, for me, it was all about advertising, branding, all that. So with a, a service such as Quick Oil or Quick Lube, you know, that's going to be necessary. Every, most everybody drives a car. Everybody needs their car serviced. Um, so for a franchisee who works for or who is owned by you know, Jiffy Lube or Valvoline or Take Five, one of these larger brands that has hundreds of locations across the, the country, how do you set yourself apart uh, and really kind of advertise yourself as the best available when you're part of a larger brand. Yeah, and that, that's interesting because that was exactly what happened in the boutique, boutique fitness world. You know, we were competing against the step classes, the bike classes, the, all the different classes, and we had to convince the consumer that we were better. And more importantly, that we were di- different. I think that was a key, that we were different. Something new to try, something better to try. So I don't again understand how that necessarily works in the oil space, but it would be, for me, I would be trying to prove myself as different, better, higher level of service maybe, higher in products maybe, 
uh, those are things I would kind of initially would pop in my mind to focus on. So when you were first getting into uh, your franchise, uh, you mentioned you were really kind of driving forward with advertising. How did you start going about doing that? How did you come up with an advertising plan? And what tips would you give to people who are trying to do a similar thing? Yeah, I think the very first tip is finding an ad agency that's good, that's reputable, that can help you. Uh, Doing it yourself is tough. And so we were able to find the right people to sort of guide us along the path sit down, have meetings to define the strategy, to figure out exactly what we're going to do. I mean, we did some rather silly things to get attention. We, we would chain orange bicycles to telephone poles and then have it so that when people Google, why is that orange bike chained to that telephone pole, it would pop up Orange Theory Fitness. We had someone running up and down the highway in an orange suit and people would Google, why is that guy running up and down in an orange suit? So we were, again, we're trying to find those things that, differentiate us and got people's attention. So through the social media platforms, they would do that. The other thing that we did was we were big into events. And again, don't know how that works in the retail space, but we would always be at different events, always sponsoring things related to fitness, whether it was a race for charity, whether it was a, some sort of event, we always had a table there, always getting our initial name out there make sure people knew who we were. Uh, we're the new guy in town, come see us. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, you had that transition of, of once you started uh, owning a franchise, you had someone to report to. Um, how did that help? Or what, what were some of the, I guess, the initial growing pains or things that you had to figure out going from being an independent uh, uh, business person to then now having to report to someone? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was, was I was always about multiple revenue streams in my businesses. How can I sell more products? How can I do more things inside my businesses? Uh, and, and I wasn't allowed to do that with Orange Theory. Here's the product. Here's what we do. You do this. This is all you get to do. Uh, and so I really had to go through that growing curve of understanding that, okay, I can't sell candy bars or protein bars in my studios. I can't uh, do this in my studios. That was the biggest hurdle for me to get over was, guys, I'm going to make money for both of us. And they were so protective of the brand, which I learned by is important. And the reason that they would restrict us is we're trying to protect this brand. And uh, that, that was my biggest hurdle to get over. So as you were kind of adjusting to that, how did you balance the, I guess, uh, trying to have the autonomy to uh, differentiate, differentiate yourself in the system while also abiding by uh, the rules and guidelines put in place uh, by the franchisor? Yeah, it, 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 once you got that out of your head and once you got on board with the team, it wasn't that difficult. We were just solely focused then, okay, we've got this one product line, let's sell it. And again, it was a national brand. And once it, it sort of became recognized, you have to sort of think about it, the name Orange Theory Fitness, kind of a silly name. Uh, but once it got recognized, uh, it, was, it was cool for us. It just took off hardcore. Uh, we still had to advertise and market the community, but it was more about marketing, hey, we're here now not this is who we are. Overall, what, do you, what are the benefits of being a franchisee for a larger company? What are some of the, the perks of that, you think? Yeah, you know, it, it certainly saves you. Once the brand is known, it certainly saves you a lot of time in advertising and marketing. Uh, you're paying that royalty fee, and I always wanted to make sure that we were getting enough out of the franchisor to warrant the royalty fees. And in, in our case, we did. We felt good about it. Uh, I always wanted to hold them accountable, though, specifically to the marketing fee. 
because you always pay a marketing fee and I want to know what they're doing with that marketing fee. Uh, and initially, you know, we had concerns about, okay, we're sending this one and a half percent up to corporate, what's happening? But eventually, once you see the ad on TV or you see it in a national newspaper, you kind of go, okay, there's what's happening. And as long as the franchisor is using that money appropriately, branding the product to make my life easier, my sales easier, then uh, we were all on board. How do you maximize uh, the corporate assistance from the franchisor? So how do you decide, okay, we'll go to uh, corporate for help on this project while also trying to maintain some level of autonomy uh, in your business? Yeah, again, it took a little bit to learn that and we had to develop relationships with the appropriate people and the right people specifically at the corporate office. You know, we, we were way past the sales point, you know, somebody selling us a franchise at that point. So we had to get by those people. We had to get to the marketing people. We had to develop that relationship. They need to know that James Webb was in Dallas, Texas, building 33 of these. We need help. And again, once we developed those relationships, once they got to know, hey, this is a guy that's going to build multiple franchises. Let's pay him some attention. Uh, we got plenty of help and plenty of attention, but it was that initial relationship development with the right people. Not going to try and get you in trouble here at all, but just what, in your experience, what are some of the uh, the drawbacks or I guess some of the, the growing pains or difficult parts of being a franchisee? Yeah, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's I wanted to grow in multiple directions uh, and I couldn't. And that, that was for me tough in the beginning phases of it. Two, it was making sure that the franchisor, you know, was doing what they're supposed to do with my marketing dollars, as I mentioned earlier, or with my royalties or promoting the brand. It's a partnership. I can't overemphasize that enough with franchisees and franchisors. If you don't have a good partner as a franchisor, don't do it. I mean, you need a partner there that's got your interest at heart. And then you have to accept the fact that you have a boss and you have their interest at heart. And once you co-align that way, uh, it can be quite productive for both of you. Out of all of everything we've talked about today, what are what are one or two things that you think they should take away that they should know for certain going into a franchisee franchisor relationship? Yeah, not any question. It's about A, B, C, D, E. So I want to understand my exit strategy the day I start. I want to know, okay, I'm going to be able to buy 10 of these. I want to structure my deal ahead of time to secure an area, not a franchise. I, that is so critical is to, to, to go into a market and go, okay, I'm going to secure the rights to these markets. And a lot of the franchisors have those products available where you not only secure a franchise, but then you can secure the rights based upon zip code or some other things for other locations. Now you got to pay for that. And it's an option. A lot of times in, in the case of B balance, we have the option to do it. Uh, and fortunately we exercise that option. Uh, so it, it's sort of setting up that, that structure ahead of time that, yeah, I know I'm going to buy one now, but let me think long-term. How do I make sure I'm involved with the right franchise that lets me get in an area, secure those rights, freeze a couple of locations so that I can do four five, six or seven and not just one. But that to me is the most critical thing about getting in the franchise world is being able to just not have one. I don't want one magic tan salon. I want 20 and I got to find that product that's newer to the market that may not be the big boy. It may be one of the ones that's newer to the market that I can secure those rights and, and have multiple locations. 
All right, James, those are all the questions I have for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't ask about? No, no, I think that to me is, is the last question is really what this is all about. If you're getting in the franchise world, uh, you can certainly get one franchise and run it yourself. I get it, make a nice living. That just wasn't the model I wanted. I wanted multiple locations and ultimately an exit strategy. I encourage people to think that way. And that's all we've got for you here today on the Nolan Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, you should subscribe to the Nolan Podcast on whichever platform you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And for the latest quick oil and quick lube news, visit nolan.net. I'm Noah Brown. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.